Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I'm your host, Jeremy Pinch, and with me today, I have two very special guests, uh, two men that are prominent in this valley uh, because of the work that they are doing with uh, the homeless community, and that would be Justin Shuey and Mike Johnson. Hey, Good guys. morning. Good morning. Good How are you? Here. Doing good. Yeah. I've got my shorts on and I'm ready to rumble. <laughs> we were just talking about before this podcast how Justin is a shorts guy. He doesn't go anywhere without shorts. So uh, <laughs> he had to make that known. Sun's out. <laughs> yeah, sun's out. Yeah. Sun's out, legs are out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks guys so much for uh, joining us this morning on The Voice of the Valley. And I'm excited to uh, talk about the UGM and what you guys do there. So... Uh, just to get us started, what w- tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you got involved with the Union Gospel Mission. Well, so this is Mike, and uh, we moved over here just about a year ago when uh, when we found out that Rick Phillips was retiring. Uh, Rick and his dad, Roger, led the mission for 50 years of its 82 years of history at that point. Wow. Yeah, and I had been leading the Tacoma Rescue Mission for the last three years, we really uh, felt like God had a, a new thing for us and a move, but uh, out of the West Side. But we we really didn't um, want to move too far away, and had not really thought about Yakima until some mutual friends of some board members here and mine said, "Hey, Rick is planning to retire. Got this sort of long." overlap, would you consider coming to Yakima? I'll admit that like most West Siders, I, <laughs> I really had a wildly inaccurate and I, I, I was not, drawn to it, right? Well, no, I had, I, I had, tr- I had all the stereotypes, sure. you know, that yeah. everybody has. And I, I feel embarrassed about that now. And, uh, because Yakima is a wonderful place to live. I'm so happy yeah. that we're here and, and just thrilled at the, the way in which God takes such good care of his kids. Uh, but, yeah. you know, so we moved over all, all sort of, you know, preparing to follow the Lord and be good soldiers. And yes, you know, Lord, we'll go where you're taking us. And turns out God's plans are, are, uh, are pretty good. So yeah. we're, we're loving living here. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, um, I had, uh, it's about coming up on two years at the mission. And before that, I was working in juvenile probation on the tribe. So I had some experience um with working with youth and working with uh some mental health type stuff and homelessness um and this this one guy i forget what his name was maybe pastor john or something like that uh yeah yeah that's right pastor john he 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 said there's an opportunity that opened up at the mission and um i was kind of looking for a career change and so i got a chance to talk with him and then got a chance to talk with marv uh, who is getting ready to retire. And so that's the position that I took at the mission, but, uh, been loving it. Awesome. Yeah. You were, you were the new Marv, the, the new Marv. Oh man. I see. I see. I've heard about Marv and he was just this legend at the mission yeah, for a, a long time. Yeah, exactly. Still is, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, and I did not know that Justin Shuey is the new Marv. I, you should, you have some big pants to fill, yeah. bro. Yeah. Those yeah. pants are so big that, yeah. that you're going to have to wear shorts. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's the strategy and it's, uh, yeah. it's been kind of working. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I had community church pastored for about 10 years before getting okay. into homelessness in 2007. I was the executive pastor at that time of a medium-sized church just north of the airport, and my wife saw this opening at Seattle's Union Gospel Mission, running their downtown Seattle operations. There's, there are these three buildings in Pioneer Square that make up the UGM campus in Pioneer Square. Okay. And uh, and at first, I, I really wasn't all that interested Um I, my head was in, you know, congregational ministry, and I thought that was what I was going to do. Um, but she was just very convinced that I need to go check this out. So I went yeah. down and I took a tour. And it's so funny, whenever we tour somebody around the mission here in Yakima or in Seattle, they always say the same four words. I had no idea. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I had in my head this image of Union Gospel Mission in Seattle as this sort of grungy, dark little hole in the wall, not that impressive, you know, yeah, just yucky yeah. thing. And so, I, but my wife was like, no, I really think you need to go check this out. And they had a dental clinic and a legal clinic and a school and, you know, huh. it, yeah, all this re- addiction recovery and a Spanish ministry and just all kinds. I had no idea right. that it was that amazing. And we get that every time somebody takes a tour down at the Union Gospel Mission here in Yakima. They're like, I had no idea. You've got a lot yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, in August of 2007, they, they offered me the job and I went down there to, to Pioneer Square and it changed my life. I had mm-hmm. no idea how much personal growth I still needed to do in regards to my dad's alcoholism and some of that stuff that, that God was still working on me through. And it was by walking with these folks in Pioneer Square out of addiction and homelessness that God really was healing a bunch of things inside of me yeah. that um, that were that were all there, but I, I didn't have my eye on very well, hmm. and uh, and so I just became captured by this work. It's, it feels like it's brought together all the different streams of my background, and um, the the U.S. Army Rangers taught me organizational leadership, and. Um, and, you know, and of course, seminary taught me uh, all, a lot of good stuff about the Bible, and then church work taught <laughs> yeah. me about how to how to take care of you know how to pastor people, yeah. and uh, and then growing up with an alcoholic dad taught me a lot about addiction and sure. alcoholism, and so it just God is God's good. It's like it's yeah. as if the guy and, knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there really has to be a preparation, I think, because it's it's not exactly. Um, the easiest work in the world and you're not dealing with the nicest characters in the world sometimes. Sometimes you are. I mean, there's some really great folks that we interact with. Um, But I just remember at one point in time uh, when I was doing Minister in the Res that we were going down to uh, Noah's Ark, which is kind of the homeless shelter on the Res. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we're going there, one of the other youth leaders, um, I was kind of getting prepared. I didn't know what to expect. So I was kind of getting prepared for this kind of hole-in-the-wall thing, uh, like Mike talked about. And one of the youth leaders goes, hope I see my auntie there. Huh. And that's when it hit me, like, oh, my goodness. These are people's aunts and dads and moms. Huh. Um, and there's been, you know, these are people. It's not just someone who lost a job at some point or something like that. Um, you know, these are people, and they've had bad things happen to them. They've made bad choices. Uh, but they are relation. Yeah, I was guest preaching yesterday, oh, no, day before yesterday at a Baptist church in Ellensburg, and uh, uh, 
afterwards, this little lady comes up to me and, and introduces herself and tells me her son's name and explains to me that her son is at the mission. Huh. And okay. yeah, exactly. As a client, yeah. uh, not as an employee. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and when you, when you talk about these are folks, families, these are people, yeah. um, but they're people whose lives have, have gotten really messy. Um, mm-hmm. most likely they started out pretty messy. Um, most of the people that we work with, their um, their childhood experience was was very broken um, by the presence of addiction in the home, or mental illness in the home, or sexual abuse, or physical abuse, um, parental separation, or divorce. Um, yeah. They, you know, lo- lots of lots of bad stories for most of them. Not everybody, but but most of them. And from an adult side, the the family homelessness work we do is maybe a little less broken, mm-hmm. um, but often you're you're still hearing stories of of cycles like generational cycles sure. Uh, sure. of brokenness and and uh, and so when Justin says it's you know it's hard work I, I would say it's it's easy work to do poorly yeah but it's very difficult to do well hmm. uh, and and if you do it poorly it's not necessarily that um, that that people actively get harmed it's just that they don't get well either mm-hmm. you know they sort of cul-de-sac yeah. they end up they end up stuck at the mission for a decade or two decades or, yeah. and so it's it's really easy to provide shelter and food and you know you see what i mean <laughs> right, yeah right, that right. that part's easy yeah. um you know that doesn't go anywhere uh, what's what's challenging is is to learn how to win the permission to be let in on people's brokenness so that you can embody and bring in with you the grace of Christ, yeah. the spirit of Christ in, in your very self, right? Because we're carrying around the spirit and the grace of Christ in our bodies. The Holy Spirit of God lives in my body. Mm. Every room I go into, I bring Jesus with me. And so when I get let in to somebody's brokenness and their childhood sexual abuse, I'm bringing Jesus in with me. It's this amazing sort of sneaky, wonderful, wise as serpents, innocence as doves kind of system sure. that God has created. And so, uh, so we, we the the thing is to win that win that permission to lead, hmm. right? With somebody for whom authority has always been damaging and bad, right? Uh, but the leading that's really happening is the leading that Jesus is doing. Um, and he's sort of coming in piggybacking on us a bit, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so your mission statement says that we want to follow Christ in helping people move from wholeness, from homelessness, homelessness to homelessness. To whole, wholeness. Yeah. So is that, is that kind of the, the route you take is, is trying to get into their lives in which you can, you know, bring Christ and, and show them Christ? Yeah. And the, the simple fact is that the level of brokenness that I, you know, just was talking about all of that was affected into somebody, some kid's life, right, uh, by bad relationships. Mm. And the solution for bad relationships are good relationships. You know, the best relationship of all is the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, without that relationship, there's we're just not going, you know, we're not going where we need to go. It, it can't be done. As, as human beings on our own, we just can't do it. There's no Tower of Babel you can build tall enough to go climb up to heaven. It can't be done. Yeah. Uh, and so we need that relationship. But the amazing thing it, you know, is that when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, he said, that, that is the first and the greatest one. But he said, there is a second one, and it's like it. And, and it's the, the love that we experience with God immediately turns us to face our neighbor. 
Uh, and then we can go need to love our neighbor just like you know, we would want for ourselves as well. And uh, such that you can't claim to love God and hate your brother. Yeah. You're a liar. And, uh, and so, you know, the, when we say that our mission is to follow Christ in moving and helping people move from homelessness to wholeness, what we're saying is that Jesus is already at work in these folks' lives trying to move them. And what we want to do is get on board with what God's already doing in Jesus to redeem the broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to come along and help these folks move from, from you know, just homelessness. And, and we mean homelessness in a spiritual sense yeah. and in a relational sense. They have no spiritual or relational or physical home. Yeah. Uh, and we want to help them move from spiritual, physical, relational homelessness to wholeness. Uh, that's that shalom, right? That's yeah. the, the biblical word. The opposite of homelessness isn't housing. It's wholeness. Yeah, and I think it's it's important too to point out that um, we we want to, as part of wholeness, we we're talking about kind of first and foremost salvation, but then but then also we want people to be productive, right? So there, as Paul's talking to the church, he says, if if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So there's there's a responsibility um, as you know being created by God and being a man, being a woman that we're supposed to work. And uh, well, there, generativity, there we right? Generativity is is a part of what God meant for humans. He put us on the earth, and He said, "Go be fruitful, multiply, exactly. make the make the place fruitful, take care of this garden." Generativity, like like bringing goodness and making goodness in the world, taking chaos and bringing order to it, making gardens, you know, out of out of wilderness. It's a part of what we're supposed to do. It's like it, it's our it, it, it's our DNA when we're working right, you know, when things are working right, and so. Uh, and so, yeah, and it's not just about how we need to work to eat. It's that, that this is sort of what we're meant to do is, is to, yep. to create and to do and to degenerate, you know, and that, and that the brokenness of addiction and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, it, it keeps someone from being able to generate. And, uh, and so they don't know the joy of generativity, hmm. you know, the joy of going to work and doing something and something is now better because I did it. We had this guy come through one of our, uh, just came through our, our transitional housing program. So we've got an addiction recovery program. Then we've got this transitional housing program. Then of course we got shelter for families and shelter for adults. And then we've got the, the homeless youth or the, I mean the youth program at Madison house and then the dental clinic and the mental and the medical clinics. There's a lot going on. The transitional housing program is one of them. This guy just graduated recently. He's now working at Red Lion downtown in their maintenance okay. department, right? And he goes to work every day, and stuff's better. Stuff's fixed, right? Because he went to work and did some things that he learned how to do and was guided and you know and taught how to do. And now he's doing it, and some you know, and his boss is checking in on him. And and the goal they're hoping is to eventually train him up to take over the maintenance department. Mm-hmm. And and so you know what he's learning about himself and what he's experiencing is the joy of generativity. Something is better in the world because he showed up to work today. Uh, I, like that's yeah. of God. That's of God. The world is better because God showed up to work today. You know, in, in our lives, right? And then and then he lives inside of us, and we and because we go into rooms and we go into relationships. The kingdom comes a little bit more, and the will and His will is done a little bit more yeah. as it's done in heaven, right? And His name is regarded as holy a little bit more today. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's the beauty of generativity. It's what we're made for, and yeah. and and the I just my heart breaks for folks that haven't experienced the joy of that. And so when Justin says, 
you know, it's not just that we're trying to help people get spiritually, how, you know, find their spiritual home. We're also helping to get back to work. It's because yeah. part of what God made us to do. Sorry, I, I, yep. I yep. got going, but man, <laughs> yeah. I, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you guys, you guys, as you've already mentioned, you deal with people from various backgrounds and cultures and whatnot. And it, I'm sure you guys have had some rough days in the office. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I'm sure that you've had some people, you know, verbally assault you or maybe even try to, you know, attack you. So, I mean, how do you, how do you guys... Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about staff <laughs> problems here. <laughs> but how do you guys, how do you guys deal with this spiritually? Because you're here to, you know, share Christ with these, these folks and, and you're, you're dealing with, a lot of darkness. So how do you how do you deal with this going into the office every day and and going home to your family and and not bringing work home with you per se? Yeah, that was one of the biggest things that was driven home to me in past work, uh, past job experience I've had. Is, look, you can't bring this home because we're just going to eat you up because hmm. you're just going to be thinking about it all the time. And and when we're at home, you know that's a time to minister to my family. Um, and if I'm all busted up and broken, there's no way that I can do that. So it's, it's being able to give a hundred percent when you're dealing with somebody at that, at that moment. And not that you go home and don't care about them anymore, uh, but that you're able to get on, you, you go to the next thing. And so you get home and now I've got to be there for my family. Mm. Um, so if I'm torn up and this is, I say this, it's not quite as easy to actually do this. Um, but you, you've got to be able to set that aside and pick it up the next day. Mm. And I think that's something that you learn with experience. Um, and there's a lot of stories that just will eat you up when you go home. Yeah. And it's just, you you know, so Amanda will point that out to me like, mm. Hey, uh, what's going on? You, you know, you'd seem a little bit down um, and stuff like that definitely yeah. comes up, but you've got to be able to get on to the next day, next thing. I think it helps that there's enough, there are enough good stories too. Hmm. And that, that helps yeah, a lot. Yeah, wins. Yeah, the the winds help a lot. Uh, so you know, I was just talking about you know our friend who's working at Red Lion, and and you just remember that uh, each day you go to work, you make sure that you're remembering the winds. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it, the winds don't get there in 24 hour segments. I mean, they get there in 24 hour segments, and but it's not like a sitcom. It's not all settled in yeah. in 30 minutes of you know. Of plot development, it it you know it's a year, it's a, it's a couple of years, and so because of the slowness of it, it's like watching paint dry or grass grow. Um, you need to remember the yeah. winds, but the good news is there are enough winds, yeah. uh, and, and that helps a lot. Oh yeah, 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 that's awesome. And it's I think it's always easy for us to look at like the negative side of things, right? Like, oh yeah, everything's going wrong, but there's also those victories that are. Taking place. And some stuff you just learn to like laugh about. Yeah. So um, when you get when you get somebody who just gets all mad at you for <laughs> Mike's over here, some just sort of <laughs> some sort of thing in the lunch line or something, yeah. you know, and it's you're just like, did that really happen? Yeah. Like, um, I, I won't say what the name was that I got called um, because it's not appropriate to get called. But I when I went home and told Amanda about it, we we're just laughing about yeah. it because it was just so absurd. Um, but stuff like this, there's some things you just got to laugh about and kind of move on from there. You know, Rick Whitmer gets mad at me in the lunch line all the time. <laughs> it, it gets embarrassing after a while. Now, but. he's kind of witty, so yeah. he may have some good stuff to throw your way. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I think of the passage, I think it's in Matthew 11, 
uh, but don't quote me on that. But, you know, when Christ is entering into Jericho, and the, there's the two blind beggars on the road, and they're crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, um, you know, the crowd is walking b- before Jesus, and they're, they're literally telling these guys to shut up. Like, stop. Yeah. He doesn't want to hear you. And I can only imagine, like, some of those people in the crowd actually experienced the same healing that those guys were crying out for. And so, and then I think of I think of myself, and I think of the church at large. It seems it seems like when we look at homelessness, um, that it can be very easy for us to to say those kind of same things. Maybe not saying "shut up, you're worthless," but like, oh, you know, it's it's this guy, or it's that, or you had yeah. your chance, or you had your chance, right? So, how would you encourage the church at large to to view homelessness in a different light? I would encourage them to a different text, uh, or to another text, maybe is a better way to say it. You know, so the the beginning of Mark chapter two, Jesus shows up into Capernaum and everybody mobs the house and they're there to listen to him. But these four people say, Oh, we gotta go get the panhandler at the yeah. edge of town yeah. and they can't get him through the crowd. Uh, because the crowd basically is like, hey, this gathering isn't for you. Uh, you know, people understood him as being paralyzed because of his sin or his parents' sin, and uh, so they can't get him through the crowd. And so eventually they rip up the roof yeah. and lower him down in, and uh, and who knows what's going to happen next. Are people going to stone him? Hey, we're not here to see the homeless dude. We're here to see Jesus. Uh, get him out of the way or whatever. Right. And Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't quibble with the issue about the way in which sin creates brokenness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see, I mean, that's what I was just saying about our folks, right? It's like, there's a lot of brokenness going on with our people that results in them calling you sometimes very colorful yeah. things. <laughs> Humorous uh, at times. Humorously <laughs> colorful almost. You know, Not always sometimes. at the time, but later. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that brokenness is definitely tied to sin. Their sin, their parents' sin, yeah. you know, childhood Childhood maltreatment is the most predictive variable mm-hmm. for adult homelessness. Um, but then we layer, you know, they, they, they layer, we layer uh, our sin on top of our parents' sin, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and Jesus doesn't argue with any of it. What he does is he reminds, this is my kid, son. He calls him son, you know, your sins are forgiven. And uh, and so, you know, what I would what I would encourage folks at churches to do is to remember that that's that's their brother. Yeah. That might be the prodigal, right? Yeah. But when the prodigal came home, you know, the the model of the older brother is not one that we find really beautifully compelling. Yeah. You know, like we, we see a little bit of sour grapes there. I mean, it's just some mm-hmm. stuff, right? That we don't want to, we don't want to be that one. Okay. So the question is, who do we want to be? Do we want to be the crowd that just has no room for the broken people to get through to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do we want to be the people that remember that the broken guy down at the edge of town, um, that, that that's Jesus's kid too, mm-hmm. you know? And, but that his brokenness and sin has paralyzed him and he can't get to Jesus himself. Somebody else is going to have to carry him for a while, mm-hmm. and and it's going to be a while. The first stuff might not work very well. Can't get through the crowd. You know, there might be a lot of work involved. You've got to rip up the roof. You know, a little bit of risk involved. What's going to happen next? Um, you know, we might have to bear this this person for a while, mm-hmm. but when we finally do get them to Jesus, Jesus will heal them, yeah. and we get and that's the wins. You know that that we see, and so I would just encourage him to that text and to say, you know, like, hey, who who do we want to be? Which which group of which group of Jesus people do we want to be? Uh, the impenetrable wall Jesus people, or the go get the dude and stick with it Jesus people? Yeah. Uh, 
And I think, you know, and the answer in the text is obvious, right? Yeah. But the, the question in front of us is, is a little less obvious every day, you know, because we're faced with the reality of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard. Uh, but hard isn't impossible because of God. Right. It's just hard. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... Uh, it, Sometimes it could be hard to drive down North First Street huh. because not only are what you, are you talking about <laughs> you you see it right you you drive by it you drive by the mission and you and you see the brokenness and you're you're faced to deal with that spiritually. Like, well, you also got this dynamic that you've got people driving to work, sure, and they're sure. seeing people camped sure. out on sure. the side of the homeless sure. shelter, and it's it's like you know why am I working and this person's just sitting here sure. doing nothing? So right. you know there's different dynamics too. Right. Yeah. But make it hard to drive past. Yeah. So my question is: is is how would you encourage the folks of Sun Valley Church to get involved or to pray or to, you know, whatever? How how would you encourage them to to be involved? Yeah, and one one thing that you had you had brought up um, in in the question was folks who aren't necessarily they're they're more introverted. Sure. Right. Yeah. So people who aren't the ones who are um, feeling really comfortable going out and meeting new people or whatever it might be. Um, we had just the other day, there was someone who was became available as a volunteer to there. They basically said, well, they've got to sit for six to eight hours a day, but they're going to be here for several weeks. And there was like an overwhelming response from staff. Like we need this person yeah. um, because there's so much, um, kind of administrative paperwork type stuff to do a lot of data entry uh, as we're trying to track different things. So if someone even was willing to come sit down and uh, sit on a computer and just put stuff in, we could have several full-time volunteer positions filled mm -hmm. kind of right away. Um, and then, you know, what's nice about having me here is that with facilities, sometimes you have folks who aren't necessarily the most people oriented people, but want to help out kind of the deacon minded type folks. Sure. And, um, we've got all kinds of work to do at the, at the, at the shelter around the mission in general, that takes people who are handymen that can come in and put a new, uh, outlet cover on in the shelter because it, one got ripped off, um, to, you know, fix different things that are broken, put new led lights and you know, that sort of stuff. Um, we've got an aging building and we need a lot of help. Yeah. It's a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And, introvert you know so i'm an extrovert right i i, I what? <laughs> get energy from being around people and more people more energy yeah. so uh you know guest preaching at in front of a whole bunch of strangers at a baptist church in ellensburg uh just that's like that's my gig yeah. you know i love it um uh, and uh, you know introvert is gonna really want to do you know one at a time yeah um but that one at a time ministry and honestly that that's where the that's where the real fruit fruit is. You know, it's Jesus did, you know, main stage speaking, five thousand. You know, fourth. I mean, he did big sermons, but but really, what he was all about was developing the twelve. Yeah. Uh, it was it was the small one on one stuff that that he knew that was where the real traction of the kingdom is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I would say to somebody who isn't, who doesn't want to, you know, volunteer to come down and do chapel and get up in front of 50 people and, you know, right. That's not talk. the only thing there is. Exactly. <laughs> um, but they do want to be used by God uh, to try to help bring some spiritual traction to somebody's life. Uh, we would love them to come down 
it, and just offer a cup of coffee to somebody and sit and talk with them. You know, one-on-one. Um, that's a great introvert, you know, thing to do. They don't even have to talk, just listen. Yeah. Um, they don't have to extrovert like me. Uh, and th- that's powerful ministry, believe it or not. Uh, we've got a, a series of just easy questions that we coach people through, you know, to help them learn how to do this. And they, they culminate in, wow, you know, you've shared a lot with me. Thank you. Um, is it okay with you if I pray about that stuff? And, and 90% of people at that point will say, sure, if you want to. And, and then to, to say, all right, well, let's pray and to pray with somebody about the the stuff of their past and their their messed up situation in the present and their total absence of any plan for the future uh you know and and all of that stuff that's going on and in in the back room you know and, and to sit with them and, and pray in the lunchroom with them or at breakfast or, or back in the shelter area with them just one-on-one i mean that's amazing ministry you don't have to be an extrovert in fact what we would tell you really is that that's the real ministry mm. uh, is right. that that smaller one-on-one stuff, not the big stuff. Really, right. I get up in front of a bunch of folks because I'm hoping that I can get them to come down and do the one-on-one stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's that's where it's actually at. And so, uh, when I was reading, you know, the question before coming down here is what how how you know what about introverts? And I was just like, oh, please, more introverts, yeah. <laughs> you know, please bring them, you know, that people who don't want the big stage, they just want this the one-on-one quiet encounter with somebody mm-hmm. because that's that's where the real ministry is happening and people and will open up they do and and we need we need like 80 of those people yeah. uh so the whole church just bring them on down <laughs> yeah well mike justin thank you so much for coming down and being on this podcast and and the work that you guys do at the ugm it's it's amazing to see and be a part of so thank you of course yeah, we're really grateful for your time, and thanks for listening to the podcast, all you folks that are listening, and thanks for being a great church partner, Sun Valley. Uh, we value you guys so much, and uh, keep praying for us. We, we really want to do good ministry at UGM. We just can't do it without you, uh, and so I hope this has been helpful for everybody listening. Well, Sun Valley, there are plenty of opportunities to serve at the UGM, and we have some good contacts there. Uh, starting with Justin. So if you feel inclined or feel moved to to serve, uh, there's opportunities, and we would encourage you to take hold of those and, and get involved. So we hope you have a great week. Uh, we love you, church. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.